Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Good morning. So good to see you today. Christmas, just a few days away. Wow. When I was serving a church in Charleston, South Carolina, I was sitting at my desk one afternoon going through stacks of mail. My phone buzzed. I picked it up. Hello? It was my wonderful secretary, Janice. Janice said, where is Jesus going? What? What are you talking about? What do you mean where Jesus is going? Janice said, look at your window. So I stood up and walked over to the window, and sure enough, there he was. He was the stereotypical image of Jesus whenever we think about him. He stood about six feet tall, 180 pounds, mid-30s. He had long, flowing brown hair that fell nicely on his shoulders. He wore a robe. He wore sandals, he had a beard, and he clutched in his left hand a leather-bound Bible. I suspect it was King James, but I'm not sure. Where is Jesus going? He was walking down Harborview Road. Later that day, as I was driving down Harborview Road, I saw him in the front yard of one home praying with a woman. Heads were both bowed, and his hands were on her shoulders. Three days later, I saw him on Highway 17 going out of Charleston, just a few miles miles out of town. He was successfully navigating the traffic, avoiding the four lanes of danger. Where is Jesus going? Maybe he was going to Hilton Head. If you stay on Highway 17 going out of Charleston, you will end up in Hilton Head. And if I were Jesus, that's where I would go. Or maybe he was just going to one of the small towns or rural areas between Charleston and Hilton Head. Where is Jesus going? Here in the season of Advent, we light candles and we sing hymns celebrating the arrival of Jesus into the world But where? Where will we find him? Where is Jesus headed? Where in the world are we most likely to encounter Jesus? Unlike the shepherds, we do not have an angel telling us to go into Bethlehem and find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Unlike the wise men, we do not have a star guiding our way. We do not have a sky filled with a heavenly host singing praises to God. We have none of these things. What we do have, however, tucked away in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke is a strange road map of sorts. And if we follow this road map, we might find Jesus in the world and we might even spot him in our neighborhood. Jesus has returned to his hometown of Nazareth. It is his custom 
to worship on the Sabbath. And so Friday evening, around sundown, he gathers with the other faithful in that tiny village. The leader of the synagogue hands him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and invites him to stand up to read the text for the day. He turns to the passage from Isaiah 61. James Forbes, the wonderful preacher, has put this text in these words. He paraphrases and he writes, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, the Spirit of the Jubilee. God has sent good news to the poor and ordered the captives free. The eyes of the blind must be opened. We must bind up each broken heart, and hands that are pressed must learn how to heal. Right now is the time to start. Rejoice! The day of God's favor has arrived as Isaiah foretold. Even now, as these words are spoken, a new age replaces the old. Where is Jesus going? Where might we encounter him in the world? He tells us he's going to the poor, to those who scramble to find food to feed their family, to those who struggle to find a home, to those who are bereft of friendships and love. Where is Jesus going? He tells us to those who are held captive, to those who are imprisoned in violent households, to those who are sealed in solitude by emptiness or despair, to those bound by addiction. Where is Jesus going? He tells us, to the brokenhearted, to those who are crushed by the circumstances of life, to those overwhelmed by grief, to those whose bodies are racked by pain and disease. Do you want to know where Jesus is in the world? Do you ever yearn to know God's presence in your life? But instead of experiencing God's presence, you are much more aware of God's absence. If you ever find yourself in that situation, recall Jesus' roadmap. In Luke 4, he's going to the poor and the captive and the broken. And if you can't see Jesus, look for the poor and the captive and the broken. And look for those who are reaching out to these on the margins. Look for those who are providing them food and clothing and shelter and hospitality. And there, there we will find Jesus. Now, like his friends and family, we too might not want to hear what Jesus has to say to us in Luke 4. When Jesus spoke these words to the people in Nazareth and says that today this is fulfilled in your hearing, they were incensed, they were furious, they were so angry that he identified with those on the outskirts, those who were different, those who were not like them. They were so angry that he identified with those on the outside, so angry, in fact, that they wanted to kill him. These were the same people who had changed his diaper. These were the same people who had seen him playing in the streets of that tiny village. These were the same people who had taught him the stories of faith, the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. These same 
people wanted to harm Jesus, as Fred Craddock, that wonderful New Testament scholar and preacher, reminds us, Jesus does not go elsewhere because he is rejected. Jesus is rejected because he goes elsewhere. He is rejected because Jesus is the Lord who gives his life, who gives his heart to the stranger, to those on the outside, to those most unlike us. As many of you are aware, in the Presbyterian tradition, that we offer a confirmation class to those in middle school. That this gives them an opportunity to learn more about Jesus and then to publicly reaffirm the promises that their parents made on their behalf when they were baptized as babies. In many churches, the confirmands are invited to write a statement of faith, to put down on paper or perhaps in the form of a video or song as I've also heard, what it is they believe about God, Jesus, the church, and people. One evening, listening to one of these confirmands, I was spellbound by her words. This, this is what she said. Uh, my school and sports schedule took over most of my time and didn't give me much time to think about God much anymore. And so I started seeing God less and less in my life. This confirmation class has brought me to church every Sunday and has caused me to remember God and how he is in my life more than ever before. I most recently encountered God at the grocery store. When the confirmation class went to buy items for the food drive, he was in the people around me. She got it. She really got it. I don't know if she had ever read Luke 4, but she had found some kind of roadmap that found Jesus' presence in our world. Jesus is the one who abides among the broken and the captive and the hungry and the homeless. Find them and you will find Jesus. But there might be more to the story. My friend Bill is a former Catholic priest. He is an intellectual giant and has devoted his life to taking care of the homeless, particularly those in Wilmington, Delaware. For nearly three decades, he ran a ministry that reached out to the homeless and provided a shelter for them overnight and gave them food. He knows more about homelessness than anyone I have ever met. And he has backed it up with his life and his time and his commitment. I have heard Bill speak on homelessness on, on a number of occasions, and Bill draws a stark distinction between homelessness on the one hand and houselessness on the other. The homeless, he would want us to know, are not simply those who do not have a shelter at night. There's much more to it than that. The homeless are those without a community, those without a social network to support them and care for them and sustain them. The homeless are those in our world who are also oh very lonely, 
and feel as if they do not belong. What we call homelessness, hunger, addiction, imprisonment, all of these are indications of the radical absence of belonging in their lives. As he has tackled homelessness throughout his ministry, he has reminded dozens of churches and tried to teach them that the underlying issue is not so much they don't have a shelter overnight, but they don't have a people. They don't have a community to call their own. Maybe, well, maybe, the ones with whom Jesus identifies in our scripture passage this morning are not so different from us after all. I am wondering, for example, how many of us here today have ever known the absence of God in our lives? All of us, I suspect. How many among us today have ever known what it's like to feel on the outside looking in? As if we don't have a place, we don't have a people, we don't have a home, we don't belong. The homeless, including the man I saw sleeping on the sidewalk just a few steps from the mats the other night, the homeless are just like us. Just more so. For nearly two years, we have been living in isolation. We have sought to keep ourselves and our neighbors as safe as possible from COVID. And these two years have taken a heavy toll on our emotional and spiritual health. Last week, I resonated with the words of an editorial. The writer said, I feel emotionally raw. Everything from anger to exhaustion to resignation sits heavier on me now than it did at that Thanksgiving dinner a few weeks ago. I'm exhausted from the constant not knowing. Each new day feels like it brings a darkening prediction of what the future holds, and I'm tired. I am a creature of habit. I love knowing what the next day will bring with the pandemic. It feels like the situation is changing by the hour. Can any of you identify with this writer? Are, are, are any of you weak and weary, agitated, irritated, and aggravated? I am. Stupid COVID. I think I've written those words more in the last two days than anything I've ever I've written in the last three months. I've just been saying stupid COVID to friends, stupid COVID, stupid. It's, it's just, it has so disrupted our lives, disrupting our holidays, disrupting our time together, our regular social routines, our regular ways of getting together, not only to worship, but to eat together to have fellowship with one another, to listen, to learn, to laugh, to cry together. All of these have been ripped away from us. And just when we thought we were getting it back together and returning to some sense of normalcy, here comes the Delta variant and unleashes chaos. And then just as we're getting a handle on the Delta variant, the Omicron variant crashes over us. 
And so we're rescheduling our Advent studies and Christmas parties are being canceled because of Omicron. Enough already! I'm tired not just of the not knowing and the changes and the lack of definitive guidance about what might be safe and not safe to do. I'm just so tired of not being able to get with you and my family and my friends. Feeling safe, to laugh, to talk, to enjoy time together. Where is Jesus going? Have you seen him walking by lately? I've shared this with some of you, but a number of years ago, I was in a Starbucks, my iPad in hand, working on a sermon that week. I was sipping on my favorite beverage, uh, which is chai. If you ever go to Starbucks, order chai and think of me and then bring me some. I just remembered I used to order my chai in a very special way. An extra squirt of syrup with um, a little bit of extra cream in it. And at the local Starbucks where I lived in Pennsylvania, I just called it the Patrick. So I'd pull up in the drive-thru and say, I'll have the Patrick today. Yes, sir, it's coming up. And some of my friends would go and they would order the Patrick too. Well, I, well, I was in Greenwood, South Carolina, visiting my parents a few months after I started this nonsense. And I walked into a Starbucks. And very seriously, I said to the barista, I'll have the Patrick. And she said, I'm sorry, uh, I haven't been on the computer today. I haven't gotten that recipe. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed laughing at that one. That was great. So there I am at Starbucks, sipping on my chai, working on my sermon, and I take a break, take another sip, and there's a woman beside me. She looked my age, professional. And so I said to her, uh, she was typing furiously on her laptop, and I, I, I said to her, so what are you working on? She said, oh, oh, I'm working on my resume. I lost my job 18 months ago. And I'm sending out as many resumes as I can. I said, I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds tough. Oh, you don't know the half of it, she said. I was divorced two years ago. Oh, that sounds so painful. I am so sorry to hear that. And then I added, if you don't mind me asking, what has kept you going over the last two years? And I have not given any indication at all that I'm a pastor, I'm working on sermons and care about stuff like this. I'm just working on my iPad. What's kept you going? And without missing a beat, she said, my church. My church has kept me going. I don't know where I would be today without them. They have kept me going. I think I saw Jesus walking by as she was talking. In that community, she knew that she belonged. She knew that she counted. She knew that people cared for her. Where's Jesus going? Jesus for sure is going to the broken and the imprisoned and the homely, uh, homeless 
and the hungry, and he's going into those communities that are creating belonging, communities whose arms are open wide and whose hearts are extended to those on the outside, to those who are just like us, just more so. Uh, have any of you seen our new sign here at the corner of Madison and 73rd? The Evangelism Committee ordered it, and it, it's a little bit larger than what they envisioned. And so a few weeks ago, Chestnut and John and I were outside inspecting the sign and admiring it, looking at it, taking pictures of it. And an elderly woman walked by, and she had her walker, and she was stooped over. And I said, excuse me. And John and Chess were like, oh God, here we go again. And they, they, they sort of turned away. And I said, excuse me. What do you think of our sign? And it took her like four seconds to reply. She slowly looked up and she stared at it and then she said, well, you can't miss it. When it comes to where Jesus is going in the world, when it comes to Jesus' presence, can you imagine people walking by and saying of us, you can't miss it. Can you imagine people, our neighbors in our community, looking at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church and going, there's Jesus. Look at the way they love one another. Look at the way they embrace others. There's Jesus. You can't miss it. I can see that happening. Amen.